Hey, this is Rob and that's Micaiah. And you are listening to a bonus episode of You Forgot One. Today on You Forgot One, the greatest live albums of all time. Micaiah, before we get into our lists of top 10 great live albums, let's go ahead and share some of the parameters that we gave ourselves for this list. Great start. So we don't want to just repeat ourselves. So if we have discussed the album before, like if it's already on our list, like James Brown, Life of the Apollo, not eligible. Okay. We've, we've spent a lot of time talking about it. We both agree it's one of the great live albums and one of the best albums of all time. No need to go through that again. Um, We also nominated Kicking Television by Wilco and pinned it against Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. No need to go down that path again. We've said a lot about it. You know, so now it's the time to kind of discuss some live albums that we might not otherwise talk about and maybe some artists we might not otherwise talk about so now's the chance to kind of you know you know uh, do this the spirit of the bonus episodes you know albums and maybe some artists that won't actually make our top 100 you know uh, shine some light on them here in the bonus episode i think there's for both of us there's a sense of if it was an obvious pick if it's something we're already planning on doing next season or something that we've already agreed to do, if not next season in season four, then you're not going to hear it tonight. Right. Like I, I nominated, you know, on our first episode of season two, I nominated homecoming by Beyonce. So I'm not going to put it on this list now. Cause I'm holding out hope that that will be a record that we talk about. Um, Rob, I think in the last season you nominated at Folsom prison by Johnny cash. I did. So no need to talk about that here because there's a chance we will talk about it on the podcast. Absolutely. We are going to present our albums in different orders. I am doing mine chronologically based on when the live album was released, not when the recording took place, but when the live album was released, you are doing yours in reverse chronology of when the album was recorded. Correct. That's how I've chosen to do it. It just makes the most sense. I'm looking at my list and trying to rank them and organize them in different time ranges and stuff. And just that's the one that that sits best for me um, is looking at it that way. So that's the way I'm going to approach it. Well, then let's go ahead and start here based on how you're presenting your order and how I'm presenting my order. What is your first album? Mine is before the dawn by kate bush Uh, for our listeners you can't see our faces right now but i am demonstrating to micaiah the look of utter and complete shock that a kate bush live album has made his list yes so this is a well it's just a very interesting live album Uh, i don't think it exists in vinyl uh, but like so it's it's so massive that it's three cds so that's, that's huge. And it has a three-act structure. Um, it's something she did 22 shows in London in a theater. I mean, it was a stage show. I mean, it wasn't 
even really a concert. Kate is someone who didn't like to tour and so didn't tour, um, like really ever. She would do a few appearances and then maybe, you know, in the early in her career, around her second album, she did like a stage show and kind of toured with that. And then really just focused, you know, all of her energy in the studio. And so after like a 35 year break from performing regularly on stage, regularly on stage, um, she did this late in her career. Um, the shows were recorded in 2014. The live album came out in 2016. The first act is a combination of songs from the central world, the red shoes, hounds of love and Ariel. And then act two is, is just the ninth wave suite. So side two of hounds of love. And then act three um, is a, is a suite from her record Ariel. And then there are two songs for the encore. And so that's, so it's really structured like a show. Like there, there's a narrative function to the way it plays out. And it's incredible and the crowd is going crazy because you don't really get to see Kate in real life ever because she's just a woman of, of magic and mystery. Um, so the, there's a real excitement on that record. And that's what part of what makes a great live record, I think, is the audience uh, a lot of times. You know, so that, that audience is very excited to see her. And she's so grateful and so sweet uh, the moments that where she kind of breaks the fourth wall, I guess, and kind of addresses, you know, her, the audience and her gratitude. And it's just, yeah, very pleasant. And yeah, just, just a massive ambitious work of art and just using a live show and a live recording to be a work of art in the same way that an album is, but to translate that to a visual medium is something just not a lot of people have ever done and certainly not to the degree that Kate Bush does um, on this record. My first pick again, chronologically in order of when the album was released. Um, the only one of really only one of three albums that are on my list where the recording and the release of the album happened in the same year, 1970, the who live at Leeds. This was a concert by the who at the University of Leeds uh, a concert venue in the UK. Um, it is the only live album by The Who to include their original lineup 
of um, Roger Daltrey, Pete Townsend, Keith Moon, and John Erstwhile. Um, a, a, a really great picture of the things that made The Who great. And for me, it, it has the benefit that no one particular Who album has. There, and there are plenty of people that have a favorite Who album or think that, you know, Who's Next or um, Tommy or whatever should, you know, should be rightly considered for our list. I don't know that will that either one of us will ever nominate a Who album for a top 100 of all time. But if there was a single Who album that I would ever nominate, it would not be one of their studio albums. It would be this live album, Live at Leeds, such a great uh, picture of the musical dynamism of this band and what a great live band they were. I mean, what, what incredible live performance this band put together. And one of the things that I love in, in the record and the, in the vinyl, one of the pictures you can see is the, the, like the photo they've taken backstage of the, you know, like 10 uh, high watt amp amp heads tacked, you know, stacked up where you can just see like the, the sheer volume that they're going for um, in, in this concert, they're trying to blow everyone away. And it's something that that energy, it really comes across on the vinyl. And so the who's live at Leeds is my first pick for greatest live album. Yeah. And I've long said that that's probably my go-to who record as well. And I'm glad you mentioned the LP because, you know, it's neat because it's just kind of like a bland kind of manila colored cover with like a stamped looking uh, title, you know, so it looks like a live bootleg Mm -hmm. uh, recorded exceptionally well. And when you open up, you know, the gatefold cover, there are all kinds of goodies in there. Um, you know, like replicas of things that you would get like at the show, you know, so it's, it's very much just like, Hey, live albums are fun. Live concerts are fun. And we're one of the most like cool people to do it. The who are also such an exciting band live that like listening to it can sometimes be tough because you, if you know what they look like when they're performing live, you're like, I just, I kind of wish I was just watching maybe their, their clip from the Monterey pop, documentary or something you know you're just kind of like ah, like i i really want to see them smashing guitars or destroying their drums that are something you know it's like you feel like you're missing out a little bit when you listen to a live recording because you, you want to get the full picture whereas like on james brown live with the apollo the crowd is so intense that you you feel like you're there Ain't got nothing in the world these days I said a young man Ain't got nothing in the world these days Well, you know, in the old days when a young man was a strong man All the people, they stepped back When a young man walked by
Well, what's your second pick, Mackay? So, I mean, the last one was easier because it was recorded in 2014 and then released in 2016. This one gets a little bit more complicated. Uh, this is For Sale Live at Maxwell's 1986, The Replacements, which was recorded in 1986, but not released until 2017 by the time Ryan O started doing all the reissues with the help of our uh, our first guest, Bob Mayer, who is the executive producer for a bunch of these reissues, starting with, with this one. And this is, I think another great thing about live albums or kind of what makes a live album great is kind of where you find the artist at that time. And the replacements here are coming off of Tim, their 1985 album, which is their first, you know, uh, major label record. And it's a year before Please to Meet Me. In fact, there's a, an early version of Can't Hardly Wait on this live recording that's very good with different lyrics but you get the replacements in full form here like it's and it's the it's the original lineup uh which is always great uh, even though i, I contemplated i thought about maybe putting the 1989 complete live and concert rated on here because that's another really great replacements live album and also the 1981 uh, live album that like just got uh, released for like record store day as part of the Sorry Ma deluxe edition because the replacements are kind of one of the more famous live bands, also famous for being great but equally famous for being garbage. Um, but one of these things that like these live albums have revealed is that like they were great, a great live band, even though people always talk about like oh, they were so wasted or you know, so high or just so out of it that like they couldn't even play. And then you listen to these live recordings, you're like, this is one of the great American rock bands. Like this is amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a great live album. It, any, any one of theirs could have been on my 10, uh, but for sale live at Maxwell's, I think is, you know, like, like a perfect live album. My second pick, uh, 19 recorded in 1972 and released in 1972, 
Aretha Franklin's Amazing Grace. Not only not only one of the best live albums of all time, I think unquestionably the best gospel album of all time. Yes, this is one we've talked about before because we had Aaron Cohen who wrote the book on Amazing Grace. Uh, he came on for our episode on I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You to talk about Aretha. And yeah, that that conversation and that book left me thinking maybe Amazing Grace should have been our Aretha pick. Um, and I recently found a copy mm-hmm. of the original LP and listened to it recently. My God, if I if I were listening to that on vinyl instead of like streaming it on Spotify, um, I I may have jumped ship on Never Loved a Man because the way it sounds on vinyl over my speakers it is a different experience and it is phenomenal i think it's a good pick it's such a good pick that now i'm like did we get it wrong on our first go because mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's it, yeah it's a phenomenal recording when you're down in trouble You need some love and care Ain't nothing Ain't nothing Makai, what's your third pick for best live album? This is um, the most kind of complicated for me in terms of my chronology because it was recorded in 1977, AM 79, 
1980, but came out in 1982. And I'm cheating here a little bit. The name of this album is the name of this band is Talking Heads. Now we we talked about stop making sense, kinda, when we were talking about fear of music versus remain in light. And then we entertained, you know, with stop making sense, the like reissue with the complete soundtrack is that the better album now that cd is my favorite and my go-to talking heads album Mm -hmm. same but if we're comparing original lps the 84 lp single lp for stop making sense cannot compete with the 1982 double lp that is the name of this band's talking heads because on side one you get this early 1977 show where they're playing you know, stuff from Talking Heads 77. And then the next couple sides are them playing songs from um, Fear of Music, but also 1978's uh, more songs about buildings and food. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. Um, and then you get the 1980s stuff where they're able to kind of fully realize some more of the Fear of Music stuff like Ezimbra mm-hmm. and Remain in Light. And, and Adrian Blue is there um, on guitar and everything sounds so in stop making sense how they slowly like David Byrne comes out by himself then Tina comes out then Chris France and Jerry Harrison and then like the rest of the people who are going to like perform at them this also does that too in a much more like literal chronological way of just being like this is how the band has evolved over like these few years as a live act And and it is like in chronological order instead of like jumping around which i hate in compilations when they just like kind of mix and match things i like kind of the the narrative there of just like hey listen to this band get better over a short period of time and even in the earliest like parts of the record you're like this is one of the greatest american rock bands um so maybe i'm cheating here a little bit with this pick um but i love the talking heads and i love this record um, and of course I'm talking about the double LP version of uh, the original version. Cause I think now when you go on streaming, they have like the deluxe version or something that's much longer um, and much harder to get through. Cause it's so much music. Um, but yeah, that, ooh, that double LP, that's a, that's a great one. Fa 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 f
Rolling Stone did an issue that was the hundred greatest live acts of all time, like best best acts to see in concert. And uh, you and I have had lots of conversations. I'm fully aware uh, how much you are not a fan of this band, um, but of all the acts I've seen in concert, they still remain one of my favorite bands to see in concert. I think they are one of the best live acts there has ever been. And that issue of Rolling Stone agreed. My next pick is 1983's Under a Blood Red Sky by U2. Now, the, the title, of course, of this, of this live album comes from the photo taken of them playing at Red Rocks Amphitheater in the middle of a storm. Um, and there's actually a, a great, great concert footage available of them. But on the recording of Under a Blood Red Sky, only two of the songs that made the recording are from their performance at Red Rocks. And it's the opener and closer of side A of the album Gloria and Party Girl. Uh, 11 o'clock TikTok, the second song on side one is a recording from Boston, Massachusetts. Everything else on this album is a recording from them playing in Germany. And actually the stuff recorded in Germany is the best stuff on the album. So I will follow on side one, the entirety of side B, Sunday, bloody Sunday, the electric company, new year's day and concluding with 40, uh, this was the album. This album that came out in 1983 uh, predated their uh, their tour film Rattle and Hum by four years, five years really. Um, but this was the album that put them on the map as one of the great live acts of the 1980s. And the thing that I think that even someone like you might enjoy about this album is it is an, it is an album chock full of music from their first three albums. And so if you're a fan of early U2, that's all you get in these live performances. And you get enough of the energy in the live performance to see how they got started as a, as a punk band that, that, that kind of uh, punk um, energy at the core of how this band got started is what you can hear um, on these live performances. I would, I would say more new wave than than punk, um, which is birthed out of punk for sure. But I, I wouldn't go so far as to call them a punk band. Um, no, as far as U two goes, this is kind of them at like one of their most more interesting kind of phases. The in between war and unforgettable fire which I think are maybe, you know, definitely two of their best records. Um, and it's a real lean one, like eight tracks. Like it's the best of what they have on their three early albums, you know? So it's um even for people who have a hard time listening to you two or getting into you two, it's, it's one of the easier albums of theirs to, to get into. Ladies and gentlemen,
we are really in like a Brian Eno adjacent like patch right now because my next album is Welcome to the Blackout, London 1978 by David Bowie. Really? And this is another complicated one because, well, first of all, because Bowie has so many great live records, mm-hmm. especially like reissued ones, like Live in Santa Monica is really great. Got like Ziggy Stardust and before era, the cracked actor, you know, and David Live. My favorite Bowie phase is that Berlin trilogy, mm-hmm. um, which starts in 77 with Low and also Heroes in 77 and then Lodger. Um, and this comes out, this is recorded in 78 and comes out in 78 um, as the album Stage, which is a double LP that has, that it does not represent the tour very well. Um, the, the track list is all over the place. It is truly nonsensical and not really a great representation of the tour. But in 2018, they released a triple LP for Welcome to the Blackout. Um, and it's the majority of it is low. I think like seven of the songs are from low. And there are a few also from Heroes. So it's very much that part of his career. And also like half of Station to Station is on there but then you also get right you, you, you're gonna get fame from young americans uh gene genie from aladdin sane rebel rebel from diamond dogs and there's one side of the record and i think it's like a seven song suite basically that's pretty much most like half of ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars so you know you, you get most of the berlin trilogy stuff and then like a good chunk of Ziggy Stardust and like the hits and half a station to station. So like, you know, when you say it like that, you're like, so it's like park greatest hits, half of Ziggy Stardust, half of low, half of station to state. Like this is the best Bowie album of all. Like this is the best compilation of songs you could ask for from Bowie. And that's what it is to me. And it's uh, Adrian blue again, who is also in, part of that talking heads record um he's on guitar for this as well and it's just incredible like and they're on they're like they're on the verge of something very new and very unique with like new wave music and they're you know it's like okay now how do we recreate this live and they do a pretty good job uh, at bringing that stuff the the, the weirder stuff it's like on low and in making it happen live and some of the stuff was station to station they were playing around with in 76 they really open it up especially the the title track station to station um on that live album so yeah i mean i i think that if someone has a hard time getting into bowie that's another way to get them in is maybe just with that live album because it's 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 phenomenal it's it's so good it's bananas yeah, I, I, the thing that I, I appreciate about it, and I, and I love that you mentioned this, is this idea of almost the compilation approach to David Bowie. And I, and I think this is my big problem with, and not, not a big problem, this is my struggle with David Bowie. I love David Bowie. There's about five David Bowie albums that all kind of sit like even with each other for me. And there's not one that like jumps out ahead and like, Oh, this is the obvious best Bowie album. And, and I think part of that's because 
even on his best albums, like they're not flawless albums. Like there's, you know, like there's, there's at least one skippable track on, on every Bowie album. And so there's really great stuff. And then you'll have something to be like, Oh man, if only that wasn't there, if only this. And, and so I, I'm with you. I think that I'm probably low if I had to pick one as my personal favorite Bowie album, but even that, like, you know, low hero Ziggy start, like you could put all those together and they're all kind of on, on the same track for me. That being said, anytime I'm trying to get someone interested in David Bowie, I'm like, Ooh, let me, let me put the Spotify playlist together. And so the, this approach of this really well done live album that has such a really great cross section of the Berlin period, but also the three albums that came before it. Like, I, I think that's, that's a real great uh, place to start. And so this, this might be my new recommendation for people for like, Hey, do you want to get into Bowie? Welcome to the blackouts where you start. Yeah. Because you, you get the glam stuff, right. Mm-hmm. That makes them famous and you get the hits that kind of follow in between that. And then you get station to station, which like kind of closes the album too. Those are really closer together also. And then like the weirdness of like the Berlin trilogy and the pop sensibilities of that too. Like those, those records are just so wild. You mm-hmm. know, so like, and you're a fan of Lodger, right? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Lodger It really from 71 to 83, there are like no bad Bowie albums. Like, like you were saying, it's like, what kind of makes Bowie difficult is like, well, like in that cluster, like there are like three obvious tiers, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, so like going to rank them becomes it's like, okay, well, Ziggy Stardust, Hunky Dory, Stay Sensation, Low Heroes are easy top five. And then the next five you kind of have, you know, so it, it is kind of hard to like be like, this is the one, this is the best Bowie album because you're like, there are three tiers within the height of his powers. And yeah, it, he's someone who put out some. I mean, his last record is also one of his. Yeah, best. he 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 just yeah, he's someone who has no no shortage of great records and live records. Um, but for what I love most about David Bowie, it's it's on Welcome to the Blackout. Just this game. 
My fourth pick, the second oldest recording that I have, but an album that didn't that ultimately wasn't released until 1985. It was recorded in 1963, and it was supposed to be released at the end of 1963 as an album called One Night Stand, um, but eventually was shelved by the label and didn't come out until 1985. I'm talking about Sam Cooke's Live at the Harlem Square Club. This is a beautiful picture of the early 45 era hit making Sam cook. And, and you get it from, I mean, you get chain gang, you get Cupid twist in the night of the way. It's essentially a collection of big AM radio hits that Sam cook had. And he performs them beautifully, a great band and his voice has never sounded better. And, and, and again, one of those things where you can really hear the, it, it, in a lot of ways, kind of like we talked about referencing James Brown, like you can hear the impact he's having on the audience, especially on young women. Yeah. Now, if this had you send me mm-hmm. and change is going to come, you'd have absolutely everything you need for me. From Sam Cooke. For a Sam Cooke record. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. That being said, even without those two, like, huge, giant, you know, songs, mm-hmm. um, this for me is my my go-to Sam Cooke record, even though there's the, the like, the famous compilation, like, Portrait of a Man or mm-hmm. whatever that compilation is, um, which is, of course, super great. But this kind of just, this kind of streamlines it a bit. And... By by season four, this is one that I will probably nominate for our list. And it's one reason why it's not on my list, because it's something that I uh, potentially will nominate for a future season of the podcast. Because I I also love this record. Fellas, that make me feel good, just put it right back. This was uh, released in 1979, but it was recorded on New Year's Day in London, 1977. The album, It's Alive, by the Ramones. I knew that was going to be on your list. It has to be. It's amazing. It's the, I mean, so the first three Ramones records are the only that have, you know, the, the, the original lineup. Yeah. It's those two records and this live record. Mm-hmm. And so even though this comes out in 1979, in 78, Road to Ruin comes out uh, with a different drummer. 
So really, you get Ramones, Leave Home, Rocket to Russia, and It's Alive as like the picture of this is the Ramones. These are the original guys. This is it. So it made, made do almost the entirety of those three albums in this live recording. There are like um, pretty much like almost like nine songs from each of those records mm-hmm. on there. Um, maybe 10 from rocket to Russia and then nine from Ramones and leave home. And each of those records have 14 tracks. So you're getting almost if you're seeing them live in 77 on New Year's Day in London, you're seeing them perform almost their entire catalog at that point. Yeah. And without any breaks. It's just song. One, two, three, four. <laughs> song ends. One, two, three, four. Like it is, it is a constant, just like relentless punk rock show. Like, and this is one of those like famous shows where everyone in London and the punk rock scene says, I was there. I was at that show. You know, it is one of the kind of most famous shows mm. in punk rock history. And that we have a recording of it is just phenomenal. pick number five is the 1986 release Bruce Springsteen live 1975 to 1985 you know we talked about this you know we closed season two with Bruce Springsteen in Born to Run you and I both in preparation for that recording you know we had gone back and watched the um, the Broadway performance and listened to the albums and I watched um, the there's there's a recent release they did of um oh the the no nukes concert um that i watched that and so all of that being fresh in my mind going back and listening to this live collection of bruce springsteen performances one what an incredible band but two there is across a 10 year period of time, there is no drop in energy that you can tell Bruce Springsteen never gets tired. He never, he never takes it off. I mean, like this is someone when he's showing up to perform a concert, you are not getting anything less than a hundred percent. And you, and that really comes across in this, uh, you know, pretty, pretty large collection of uh, of live music because it is you know it's it's a multiple lp uh multiple lp box set yeah and what's great is that it's not expensive uh those lps are 
pretty popular in the used bins and they're not that much. And I mean, if you need one Bruce record, like you, you could do worse than having that. I mean, cause it's, I mean, and, and I, I think that like the art and artists and musical artists best years are those first 10 years. And so to have like a live document, like of those 10 years is very smart. Um, or, or just really great, you know, planning, whether, you know, however they meant it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. It's the best picture of, of Bruce Springsteen also. Cause I mean, a lot of it is the Broadway thing. A lot of it is him just being like, you know, talking about living on the Jersey shore or talking about his, his dad or whatever, you know, like, you know, on, on growing up or whatever. And, you know, so it's, he's it a great storyteller. Yeah. Not, not just in his songs. He write he writes great storytelling songs, but mm-hmm. he, he also is just a really great storyteller. He's, he's a captivating person to listen to. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, it's, yeah, it might be the best. I mean, like for what we're doing and creating like a list, of the greatest albums of all time, I don't think it's, uh, would be the right pick for us, but desert Island, if you only have one Bruce Springsteen album to bring with you, this would be the one. Absolutely. This is, you know, like we were saying about the Ramones record just before this, you know, it's, it's the complete picture. It's the whole pack. Mm-hmm. Like those first 10 years as good. And, and, and Bruce too, like, he just, I think he just is better live than on the record. Agreed. Um, and I don't, I don't think they ever perfectly figured out how to best record his music. So I think the live albums are, are the best that his songs ever sound. Uh, 
uh, from It's Alive, I'm going to live. Uh, recorded in 1975, also in England. Oh, I have a, I guess a three stretch run. Oh, actually four of mine so far have been London. Anyway, 1975, live by Bob Marley and the Whalers. Um, and unlike all of my other ones uh, that are double LPs, triple LPs, this is a lean, like seven song album. Yeah. Um, in in a single concert, which is which is one of the things I, I I appreciate a lot of a lot of the live albums both of us have had so far are are collections of live uh, of of live performances, but but both in the Ramones and in in Bob Marley and the Whalers, like these are like a single concert. Yeah, and it's not the full concert, um, but it's what you can put on an LP, an affordable LP. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think reggae has, you know, the same kind of ethics as, as punk at the time is, you know, like make sure they're getting their money's worth. You don't want to cheat your fans. Um, but I mean, with those seven songs, Trenchtown Rock, which was just, an, you know, a single, Burning Luton from Burning, uh, Them Belly Fool, But We Hungry, Lively Up Yourself, No Woman No Cry, I Shot the Sheriff, Get Up, Stand Up. Mm-hmm. For Bob Marley at this point in his career, it doesn't get better than that. Like this is, this is like this is perfect. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is the most iconic version of "No Woman, No Cry." Like this is the one that ends up on the Legend compilation instead of the Natty Dread Studio version. Uh, I mean, yeah, another. I, I mean, this isn't the best Bob Marley concert. Uh, there are a couple of other more famous concerts, you know, of his in Jamaica that we talked about with Roger Steffens, you know, him trying to unite uh, both political leaders in one concert, the concert that he performs, you know, just a couple nights after an assassination attempt. So it's not the greatest concert in Bob Marley's history, but in terms of live recordings, it is a lean, powerful, and effective seven songs. And it's it's seven songs that that feels like a whole, like you don't feel cheated. Like, oh, look, and here's the thing I was going to say. So the, the version I have of this on vinyl, um, was one of, was one of those like random, like dollar bin finds because the A side of the record is just scratched all to you, 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 like, it's, it's really unlistenable. Uh-huh. So for me, I really only have side B of this album, which is no woman, no cry. I shot the sheriff and get up, stand up. Perfect. Yeah. And, and I've got everything I like great performance, three phenomenal songs. Uh, you know, this, this band is good as, you know, the whalers playing as good as they can be at the time. Um, you, you know, and so for me, like I've never heard the A side of this album. I've, I've heard it streaming, but I've never heard it on vinyl. Um, but, but just the B side of this on vinyl, I'm happy with. Yeah. I mean, it's, God, it's so good. I mean, that, the Trenchtown Rock, Bird and Luton, and then Belly Fool and Lively Up Yourself, like that is such a perfect document for like Bob Marley, mm-hmm. which I guess is what I just keep coming back to is, you know, what? how do these live albums just like perfectly encapsulate, encapsulate uh, an artist's like career or persona or ethos or beliefs? And and there there is another one that's 
you know, Babylon by bus, um, double LP that comes out after Exodus. So, you know, most of that double LP is almost all of Exodus and some songs from, uh, you know, the albums kind of surrounding that record. Um, and we chose Exodus as our album. Um, yet this is the live album I always go back to. And maybe it is because it's that lean kind of seven song run, but it's this the best of Natty Dread and the best of Burnin' plus Trenchtown Rock. And it's, you know, um, it's perfect. Here's the big surprise that I've got, you know, now more than halfway through the, the lists, you and I have yet to have the same album. And, and, and and the only, my next pick, my sixth album is the only album we may have in common if it continues going this way. Recorded in 1966, but not released until 1998, Bob Dylan's The Royal Albert Hall Concert. I don't know that there's anything that needs to be said about this that we haven't already said. Um, We knew going into this that we were going to have each have a live Dylan album. Knowing your affinity for this album, I came really close to just going with the 1963 Carnegie Hall concert, which I feel like is this really beautiful picture of of that kind of solo acoustic Dylan early career uh, Dylan playing. Um, But you cannot deny uh, this is Bob Dylan touring with the band as his backing band um you know giving you a little bit of everything that uh, you know bringing the dylan goes electric getting booed in in concert venues uh and yet 
people are booing to some of the best music performed with the most energy that's ever been done before and people are unhappy about it and so there's something so beautiful about uh, about the stories that come along with that but also just this picture of bob dylan at, you know at the height of his abilities and kind of pissing people off which is is my favorite bob dylan one was uh, recorded and performed in 1974 and released in 1974 and it is Miles of Isles by Joni Mitchell Um, again another utter shock on my face Um, I will say and and, you know it's I have not been shy around my uh um, my, my preferences around Joni Mitchell, I will say in, in preparation for us doing this episode and looking at so many lists of all time, great live albums, I was surprised how frequently this showed up on, on all of those lists I read. So I went through and listened to it myself. I really like this record. Yeah. Because it's one of the best live records of all time, uh, from one of the, the best artists of all time. Uh, it's, it's Joni, uh, backed by a band called the LA Express, and it's right off of Court and Spark and before Hissing the Summer Lawns, so it, it's another kind of sweet spot in career before she goes, you know, like... Insane. Uh, like, super jazzy, super, like, avant-garde, like, before she's, like, recording albums with Mingus and doing, like, super experimental double LPs, so, like... This is a great snapshot of like the first half of the seventies plus or two early records from the sixties. So uh, some great versions of songs from, from blue and lays of the Canyon for the roses and court and spark. That's yeah. really what this record is. Um, you know, some full band versions that you don't expect to hear of like Carrie and a really great version of last time I saw Richard, an early version of Jericho, a song here that comes that's uh, on Hajira. Um, and of course, like Circle Game. And she said, you know, she says something like this, like super cute, like really funny, where she's talking about art. And I love when Joni approaches the audience because she's one of those people who you just love to, to hear from, you know, hear say anything. 
and she talks about art. She's like, you know, it's so weird how, you know, people, when you're a musician, people say, play that, play this, play that. But when you're a painter, you know, you, you, you paint it and people see it and that's it. You know, no one says, oh, hey, Van Gogh, do Starry Night again, man. You know, so she's like, it's super, you know, it's just so funny and she does voices on the last time I saw Richard. Like she does the, she puts, she gives a voice to the waitress, like an accent and a dialect. It's like, they, it's like out of character for her um, because of like how serious some of her records can be. But then you get like woman of heart and mind, um, which is one of my favorite, like deep cut Joni songs that is pretty stripped back on this recording. That's, just perfect and and i will tell you her the version she does of a case of you on this is better than the album version i'm, I'm not gonna i mean that, that, that song's so perfect that any version of it yeah is, that, that's fair you know it's just like is it's gonna be i mean like it, it's just so good that like no matter how it's presented it's gonna be like yep that's great mm-hmm. um but this is gonna be one that we we won't be able to play a clip of because yeah, he still doesn't have her music on Spotify. Um, so don't take my word for how great this record is. Um, you know, take the words of you know Danielle Hyam from Hyam. Mm-hmm. That means anything to you because she um, is also a, a big uh, supporter and champion of this record. My seventh pick is is maybe the band we have talked about the most on the podcast so far who 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 realistically may not have an album that makes our hundred okay and it is 1999's come alive by the famous roots crew a hip-hop act performing with this unbelievable of a live band there's there's nothing else like it in in the genre there really isn't you know one of the things that i think you and i both so love about tribe called quest is you know especially on like low in theory like how it's like no no we're going to use you know real musicians it's not just going to be samples ron card yeah yeah but then the idea of uh, of Tariq trotter black thought one of the great MCs of the last 30 years. Not only does he have unbelievable flow. And then of course you hear them, you know, uh, commons on this album, dice Raw's on this album, Jill Scott's on this album, Jaguars on this album. Like there are a ton of other folks who, who show up in this album and are great, but the roots come alive is, it, it is essentially the best hip hop live band in history just showing off. And it's, it's as good a live hip hop album as there has ever been. Yeah, for sure. Um, And it's kind of a pre predecessor to like Dave Chappelle's block party. Mm -hmm. where the Those are basically the backing band for every act that comes on for that. And many of them you named uh, Jill Scott, uh, and um, I'm common, especially, but also Kanye and Eric Abadji, the Fugees reunite. Um, that's another great uh, document of, of the roots and them as a live act. Um, yeah, I, I like this pick. Uh, that one I, I expected because it's not really a conventional one. Uh, so glad to see it represented. 
Foundation. Coming and touch your mind. Foundation. We coming out the fifth time. Hey, yo, yo, keep on. Did you listen and stop what you're doing in sudden devotion? Switzerland, shorty, go check it out. We got the hot music, the hot music, the hot, hot music, the hot, yo, we on some hot music, the hot music, the hot, hot music. Check it out. Perform it all, come together, things fall apart. That's when the music starts. Once again, it's the thought. South Philly, Dalai Lama, Roots, Crew, Black Dawn. This directed to whoever and listen and rage. Yo, the whole state of things in the world about to change. Black rain falling from the sky looks strange. On the price for fame, shit was all the same. Then the antidote came. The black thorn ill syllabus out the fifth. This heavyweight rap shit I'm about to lift like a father lift up and see the sunlight. I'm plugging my mic, draw like a gunfight. I never use a cordless nor stand the plotless. Zip clover fill from ill still for garlic. Flow like bosses, but not police the object. It ain't a way to cut this tap. You got to get wet. Your head is dropping and I ain't said shit yet. Gas to the next movement. This is a unique one because this is a live album of all new material uh, for this artist. Uh, the album came out in 1973 uh, and it's called Time Fades Away by Neil Young. It's, it's, it's another like, unique situation in an artist's career. So he's coming off the success of Harvest, which came out in 72. And the next album he puts out is live, except it's all new material, uh, which is a ballsy move for an artist who's, who's just had so much success. And because it kind of flops, it kicks off what's known as his Ditch Trilogy. So uh, the Ditch Trilogy are Time Fades Away, On the Beach in 1974, and then Tonight's the Night in 1975, even though Tonight's the Night was recorded before On the Beach. So even that order's all mixed up. So uh, Time Fades Away, this, this is a record. First of all, I think it's, it's one of my favorite album covers of all time. I love this album cover. There aren't even like any, you know, big Neil Young hits on here um, unless you are a Neil Young fan um, the song Time Fades Away is a, it's just a really good rock and roll number Journey Through the Past is a great track that's best used in Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice even though it's a different version um, Love in Mind I think is an incredible song and that one was actually recorded in 1971 and not 1973 uh, for this tour um, Don't Be Denied is kind of a Neil classic. And Last Dance is just kind of like an epic ending to this big rock and roll epic, you know, to, to this record. Like Bowie's Berlin Trilogy, Neil's uh, Uncle Neil, as we affectionately like to call him, uh, the Ditch Trilogy is is my favorite, you know, moment in his career. You know, Time Fades Away on the Beach Tonight's the Night. And so, yeah, so this, this kind of was like a, a clear... This was not this was an obvious pick for me. Mm-hmm. 
this felt like a sloppy listen to me. Um, but uh, you know, again, it's it, some, some of it's my bias towards Neil. And so, uh, to each, to each their own. Um, but Hey, this, this again was another one of those albums that showed up a whole lot in a bunch of those lists of, of all time, great live albums. So, um, I'm willing to admit that I might be wrong, which is an appropriate segue because my next live album is the 2001 collection of Radiohead tour performances from the Kid A Amnesiac tour called I Might Be Wrong. And I'll tell you, as someone who was a huge fan of the bins and was a big fan of uh, OK Computer, my big fear of, of, of Radiohead after Kid A, but even more so after Amnesiac, was this worry about what are they going to be like as a live, as a live band? Like, is it, are are they doing away with guitars entirely? Is it going to be nothing but bleeps and bloops and computers? Like, are, are, you know, what's, what's going to happen to them as a live act? And I might be wrong proves that this is still very much an alternative rock band doing this this kind of new style of music and so the how they handle the music from from kid a especially on on this album is just so incredible and so it ultimately this this album is what ultimately led me to go see them twice on the um on the tour they did at the end of 2003 beginning of 2004 and the the kid a stuff that radiohead does live is just done with so much energy and again by one of the great live bands of all time so radioheads i might be wrong which of course concludes with a radiohead fan favorite and the very first time we ever got a recording of the song true love waits to our final two what is your penultimate album mine is another complicated one it was recorded in 1966 and then was released the the official release was 1968 and then it was kind of reissued as one of these complete box sets in 2016 and so the original album in 1968 was called In Person at Whiskey A Go-Go. 
uh, by Otis Redding. But I'm choosing uh, the 2016 kind of punched up version uh, live at Whiskey A Go Go, which is a double CD or double album um, that's more true. Because on the tour, he was doing two sets. And so you can buy uh, like a four CD collection, I think a six LP set that has like all three shows that he did at Whiskey A Go Go. Um, yeah, so live at Whiskey A Go Go. Uh, it's just it's just a better version because the original 1968 is 10 songs, like 30 minutes, like again, like real lean, um, but not a really good representation of what like those shows were. Um, if you were going to go for like both sets, so that's why I'm doing live at Whiskey Go Go, uh, which is just much better. And again, this is one of those things where you know you're getting he's only you know been a recording musician for a few years, so you're getting kind of a best of thing. And um, I, you know, when, when it comes to people like Sam Cooke and James Brown and uh, Otis writing those 60s soul people, um, Otis is where I lean uh, because he, he has, uh, he's from Georgia, uh, he's got the Memphis soul sound, and there's just something about it that's a little bit more raw. It's the Neil Young thing. There's like, like maybe, maybe that guitar, maybe it's just a little out of tune and maybe he's pushing himself a little too hard. You know, it's like, it's just, it's, it's right at the edge of falling apart, but it's, it's really contained and, and it's well rehearsed. So I'm not saying it's sloppy or anything, uh, but it's not like, it's not the James Brown thing where it's just like, we have this, like, it's the James Brown thing is like, it's like clockwork as a well-oiled machine. And with like Otis Redding and his band at Whiskey A Go Go, it is a live band. Um, so that's why I want to give some love to live at Whiskey A Go Go or in person at Whiskey A Go Go, whichever one you want to listen to. Yeah. Either way, uh, you're going to get good stuff. What you want? What you got? What you My ninth pick takes some explaining. So I, in high school, was a huge fan of jam bands. So was a big Dave Matthews band fan, was a big Fish fan. And of course, through those and through my friends that I had who also liked those, those bands, I got into Grateful Dead. And I get into the Grateful Dead right before and even more so after Jerry died. And I became what most Grateful Dead fans at some point along the way become, which is I became a bootleg tape collector and tape trader. 
And uh, shout out to my high school friend, Jamie Engelman, who uh, was was the person I knew who had the most stuff. And his dad was also a, a deadhead and collected. So he was the one who'd always, you know, every day at school would bring me a new tape to take home and copy. And the very first Grateful Dead bootleg tape he ever gave me, he told me that this is everyone's first dead tape. The May 8th, 1977 performance at Cornell University. This is a longtime favorite Grateful Dead bootleg concert. One of their greatest performances, of course, the 77, that whole 77 North American tour is, is a highlight of Grateful Dead, their, their live days, um, kind of right up there with that 72 Europe uh, tour. But the 77 North America tour, that lineup, the way they were playing, the, the consistency of, of songs that were showing up, the kind of fan favorites that were showing up every night in those set lists, and in 2017, for the first time ever, Grateful Dead's Cornell May 8th, 1977 concert was released on vinyl. And that is my pick for number nine for the best live album. It is, without a doubt, the very best live Grateful Dead performance. And you can officially purchase it, not just find it on tape trading, but you can actually buy it now. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, because it is my all-time favorite Grateful Dead playlist. It is their single best performance of my favorite Grateful Dead song, Scarlet Begonias. It, just an incredible, incredible performance. Wonderfully recorded, beautifully mixed. It, it's, it's everything you want a Grateful Dead show to be, and it's then at the height of their live playing and so that's my pick. Grateful Dead's Cornell University, May 8th, 1977, which was finally released on vinyl in 2017.
if the conclusion of this podcast is saying, what does you forgot one think is the best live album of all time? Um, knowing what you're about to say, I think that you and I both agree to that. Yeah. Um, well, of course it was recorded in 1966, but like officially released in 1998 is the in quotes, Royal Albert hall concert by Bob Dylan. Um, I wouldn't even be mad if we swapped this with blood on the tracks and called it the best album of all time, because like there, there is something about this record that is just absolute perfection. It, it is, it, it's the definition of rock and roll. Like it's, it's edgy and it's raw and it's scrappy and it's, but all the songs are the most perfectly written songs and there's, and they're performed with such energy and, you know, Dylan and the band have their backs against the wall and there is, it's, it's combative. Like it's, it embodies everything that's great about rock and roll and, and live performance. You know, it's, it's just so funny to hear them boo. And then when a song wraps up, you can also hear them cheering and then, and then go back to booing. You know, it's, it's, it's such a bizarre live album where it's the greatest rock show of all time. that's just being booed throughout. But, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about like the second disc, you know, um, all the electric stuff, but the acoustic all the, stuff is amazing. The acoustic stuff is, I mean, that's my favorite version. Mr. Tamarine man. Vision of Johanna is incredible. My favorite version of Visions of Johanna. Um, it opens with uh, She Belongs to Me, and it's probably my favorite version of She Belongs to Me, also. Um, and also, I don't love Just Like a Woman, um, but on this version of it, I do. I mean, Desolation Row is all over now, Baby Blue. I mean, like, these are seven songs, but you feel like you get an entire career out of them, you know? And yeah, I mean, it's just, we, we, I, again, I talked about this on earlier on this episode in my desert Island pick, but there, there are times where I think that this, this, this might be my favorite album of all time. Sometimes like whenever I listen to it, that's a thought I have, like, this could be my favorite album of all time. And it could be the best album of all time. Like every time I listen to it, I have those thoughts and then I, and then I step away. It's like every time I feel like when I go to a concert nine times out of 10, I leave going, that was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. And then a month later, I'm like, it was a good concert, you know, but like that, that's how I feel every time I listen to it. So it is like going to a concert, like that was the best thing I've ever seen. You know, it, it, it has that kind of lasting power with me. Um, if anyone called this the best time of all time, I would not argue against it. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad at him. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. In the jingle jangle morning, I'll come following you. my hand, left me blindly here to stand, but still not sleeping. My weary 
this amazes me I'm branded on my feet I have no one to meet And the ancient empty streets Too dead for dreaming Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me I'm not sleepy And there isn't a place I'm going to Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me In the jingle jangle morning I come following Take me on a trip upon your magic swirling ship My senses have been stripped My hands can't feel to grip My toes too numb to stick Wait only for my boot heels to be wandering I'm ready to go anywhere I'm ready for to fade Into my own parade Cast your dancing spell my way I promise to go wandering Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man Play a song for me I'm not sleepy And there isn't a place I'm going to Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man Play a song for me In the jingle jangle morning I come following Well, that's a great place to end your list. There's, of course, only one album left, and it is my final album. It is the most recently released of, um, I think, of any album that we've done that that we've done in this episode. But it was the earliest to be recorded. This is the Miles Davis bootleg series volume six miles davis and john coltrane the final tour recorded march 21st 22nd and 24th of 1960 um there is a um there is basically a sampler lp version of of this bootleg set um that is two lps um, that is nine songs. Um, that's, that's great. But if you want this, you want to get the CD version of it that has four CDs. You get the entirety of the first set in Paris, the second set in Paris, the entirety of the concert in Copenhagen and the first and second sets of the concert in Stockholm. Um, an incredible, incredible picture of Miles Davis and John Coltrane at their very best. Um, you know, after this tour, John Coltrane stops performing with Miles Davis and goes off and does his own thing. Um, but this is such a, a really great picture of that late fifties, beginning of the 1960s when Miles Davis and John Coltrane are, are, are playing together. This is a phenomenal band that you're hearing in this concert. Um, there, there's a version of so what on all four discs. So in, in all four discs, whether it's the first set, the second set of, of one of these concerts, but there's a version of so what on all four of the discs. But other than that, 
it's it's a different it's a different set list every set every night so what is the only one that they all have in common um but man the stuff that they're doing on top of it uh is is just amazing um they do on the second disc bye bye blackbird followed by Thelonious monks round midnight followed by sunny rollins oleo like all of that before they get into anything from kind of blue just an incredible picture of uh, of these two jazz artists and for as many great live jazz albums as there are it felt like it would have been sacrilegious to not have a jazz album among the best live albums of all time um for me you know we we both put together lists of 50 or 25 live albums to narrow down to these 10 in my 25 of course i had bill evans live at the vanguard um, I, I have, it didn't make my 25, but in my top 50 is, um, uh, Dave, the Dave Rubeck quartet playing at Carnegie hall. And then of course, one of my favorite albums is Keith Jarrett's Colm concert. Um, but this miles Davis and John Coltrane bootleg is my 10th pick for the best live album of all time. it's the best live album of all time and it's been a fun time together talking about great live albums before we go what's your kind of big takeaway that the royal album heart concert is our pick as best live album of all time no brainer it's a no brainer i mean i mean you know 
last time I saw you in person was we were at a Bob Dylan concert. You know, it's good. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Um, even though I, I didn't know that we were both going to pick this record because I thought because I brought it up on Desert Island, maybe I should pick a different Bob Dylan album. You know, maybe I should do Rolling Thunder or maybe I should do Philharmonic Hall 1964, um, which I think is better than Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Um, or, uh, yeah, I mean, th- I mean, those are the definitely the big three. Uh, you know, so, but I mean, Royal Albert Hall is like, I mean, like I, like I said, like it could be the best album of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, it really could be. Well, listener, what do you think? Is this the best live album of all time? Is there a live album of all time that we failed to mention and you know it's because we just don't get it? Um, let us know. Reach out to us on Twitter at You Forgot One Pod, on Instagram at You Forgot One. Of course, our website's youforgotone.com. And if you are listening to this podcast on Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to podcasts, Micaiah, what should they do? You should like, follow, or subscribe, whichever it is uh, your platform tells you to do so you can follow the show. Uh, We're going to release bonus episodes every other week, and the best way to kind of stay on track with us is if you're already following the show. Uh, So they will kind of come to you automatically. Uh, And of course, you can always give us a five-star review and write a review to help other people find the show and to let us know what it is that you like about the show. Love it. Micaiah, we have shared with our listeners before a number of songs from Bob Dylan's Royal Albert Hall concert. Uh Uh-huh but we have only shared with them from the second disc. Okay. What, what solo acoustic number should we, should we leave our listeners with from the Royal Albert Hall concert? Fourth time around. Fourth time around. What a great pick. I love it. Listener. We'll see you in two weeks. She was dead And she worked on my face Until breaking my eyes And saying what else you got left It was then that I got up to leave But she said don't forget Everybody must give something back For something they get I tapped on her drum I asked her how come And she 
buttoned her boot and straightened her suit and she said don't be cute so I forced my hands in my pockets and felt with my thumbs and gallantly handed her my very last piece of gum she Threw me outside, I stood in the dirt where everyone walked But when finding out I'd forgotten my shirt, I went back and knocked I waited in the hallway as she went to get it and I tried to make sense Out of that picture of you in your wheelchair that leaned up against her Jamaican rum And when she did come, I asked her for some She said, no dear, I said your words are not clear, you better spit out your gum Till her face got so red And she fell on the floor I covered her up And then went and looked through her drawer And when I was through I filled up my shoe And brought it to you And you, you took me in You loved me then, you didn't waste time And I, I never took much I never asked for your crutch Now don't ask for mine